the biggest bond of all. Thunderball. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Reconsumation. I'm your host, John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brennan Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. But wait a minute. We're going back a little bit further for a very special episode. And it's doubly special, pun intended, because our very own David has gotten a promotion to Special Agent 0077. 0077. I'm, I'm part of the double O program, but I am way down there. Yeah, there's, there's 76 ahead of you, but but still, it's an honor. I'm hoping to get field work in the next five years. I can't wait. <laughs> so with that, we felt like it was it was a, a the proper time to take a look back at at the next installment of the James Bond franchise. We're looking at Thunderball today, and in mm-hmm. order to do that, we had to bring back our special resident bond uh, expert john kazempel welcome back john hey thanks for having me Woo. good to have you so glad you're back it's it's been a chaotic time we have to orient ourselves what has been james bond been up to we skipped all of 2023 uh without without checking in with our guy and uh that's just a grave mistake so it was time to bring him back, bring John back into the fold and get ourselves reacquainted with the man who would change spy movies forever. Oh, for right? sure. all movies said dot, dot, all, dot. All movies. Right? That's right. He changed cinematic history. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we took a little bond break after uh, I think we dropped Goldfinger right around when No Time to Die came out and as as our character James Bond has taken a little breather, we took a little breather as well. But but it's been too or, long, so or not breathing, <laughs> potentially. <Mr>. Bond <laughs> that remains to be seen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we we covered we previously covered Doctor No from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. You can check all those out in the archives at reconcinemation.com. But now it's time for Thunderball. So Brent, why don't you give us a rundown? What is what is Thunderball all about? Sure, in Thunderball, our hero James Bond is uh, tasked with recovering two stolen nuclear warheads held by the criminal organization Spectre. Uh, led by the menacing Emilio Largo, Spectre demands a ransom from NATO, threatening global chaos. Uh, Bond's mission takes him to the Bahamas, where he confronts Largo and allies with the beautiful Domino Darval, 
Largo's mistress. As Bond navigates a perilous journey filled with underwater action sequences and encounters with Spectre agents, he races against time to locate the warheads and prevent a catastrophic disaster. Uh, this movie is pretty well known uh, for its underwater action sequences, which takes, uh, it's a big chunk of the movie. And for the time, 1965 was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to talk about with those action sequences and how they're made, kind of, you know, how they, how we look at them now, but how kind of impactful they were at, at the time for sure. Yeah, no uh, doubt. Let's get I think into a quarter it. Quarter of the running time is, is underwater. Yeah, something like that. that. It's a, it's a it's an extent like it's pretty. So extensive. so so about six and a half hours. <laughs> That's right. It's almost as long as the montages in Rocky Four. <laughs> yes. Take yes, up a third spent, of the movie. <laughs> about we spent uh, about thirty some minutes in music video montage land in Rocky Four. Yeah. John, tell us what when was the first time you saw Thunderball? Do you remember specifically seeing that one or is it kind of blurred in with I, I know the like so many people watch these in like a, a bulk. <laughs> when when do you remember seeing Thunderball? It it would have been my dad took me to see I think the Living Daylights when I was a kid. So that would have been I would have been about ten or eleven in the theater. And and then I kind of you know gorged myself on James Bond movies after that. Um, I had actually read the books when I was younger than that, but I hadn't seen the movies until then. So I would have watched it. Um, my dad probably would have gotten it from one of the like eight local video stores he was a member at. So it, it would have been around like 87, 88, watching it on tape. Nice. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that... I don't remember Thunderball specifically like I do some of the other ones, but um, and then I definitely had the the letterbox box set that MGM put out. We put out two split box sets in like 96 or so. And I definitely mm -hmm. watched it off of that at least, at least once or twice. Nice, nice. Brent, what about you? Uh, when did you first see Thunderball? You know, it's it, it was not one of the ones that I watched over and over again as a kid. I actually don't really even, I, I remember like elements of it. Uh, but I don't really remember actually sitting down to watch it until I want to say it was around 20 end of 2012, beginning of 2013. They, they dumped out the, the big uh, 50 year box set. Mm -hmm. And I went through, I got that and I went through and I rewatched all of them. Uh, as a kid, I was much, much more into like, never say never again was one of my favorite James Bond movies. And so when I found out that these were kind of, based you know off similar storylines and you know i know we're going to get into it but but uh i was kind of a never say never kid and not a and not a thunderball kid until until 2013 when i was like i should probably actually sit down and watch it and and see, i stand see by the original <laughs> yeah i stand by younger me i think never say never is is a much better movie than thunderball is but but yeah. uh but again this one is uh not really one of the ones that i'm super nostalgic about yeah, it's interesting that that seems to be kind of a uh, a bit of a pattern with Thunderball that as a kid, those of us that like, you know, knew the Bond films as a kid, like Thunderball's not one that usually sticks out. I mean, it's it's fine no, as a movie, but like you remember Goldfinger, you remember, you know, certain other ones or certain other sequences. And this one doesn't well, like, have that. Yeah. And it. I mean, and this was I mean, at the time it was. I mean, maybe not in the 80s when I was more heavily watching Bond movies, but 
this comes off the heels of Goldfinger has a much larger budget than any of the other movies. I think its budget was larger than all the other movies combined. Mm -hmm. Goldfinger was insanely popular putting Bond really in the limelight and like, you know, this huge kind of kind of global phenomenon. And yeah, this one just never like it. It was not one that was on. I don't even remember seeing it like on the TBS run throughs or anything. Oh, wow. Like oh. that. So, so yeah. like I missed it completely as, as a kid. I mean, I knew of it, but like nothing sticks out from this, not like Moonraker where it's like jaws on the moon and all sorts yeah. of, you know, like there's, everything <laughs> has a little something that, that reminds me of it as now that I'm older, but this one is very like, it's, not right. there. blue. Yeah. It's, it's blue. blue. Yeah. It's very, very blue. blue and underwater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, David, I think the thing that reminds me most of this now is is Austin Powers, because there there seem yeah. to be a number of elements in the Austin Powers franchise that are pulled from this directly. Yeah, there's certain specific movies that he was mining from, and this, uh, and You Only Live Twice, which is the next Bond film, are two big ones that he he took a lot from. Uh, David, how about you? When did was this a first time watch, or had you seen Thunderball before? Absolutely, a first time watch. Not no, nowhere was a child me, teenage me, mid twenties me, mid thirties me, last year me was coming near this movie. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, <laughs> no, I just uh, this is yeah, didn't hadn't seen it before, and it was just because of my general like I'm not into James Bond as a child because I'm in the landlocked region. I don't understand underwater battles. Uh, I don't understand British <laughs> things in the 60s. Uh, I didn't understand the sex and murder of all the original movies. So, yeah, it was just uh, I didn't, you know, make a, a priority to watch this. But, uh, you know, now, now it was time to to dig in for this for the podcast. Now is as so, good a time as so. It. So, yeah. David, from from your 2024 perspective, uh, there's there's nothing that doesn't hold up about this movie, right? Everything ages just fine. <laughs> It's per it's a perfect it's a perfect film that oh my God. needs no annotation yeah. in the modern in the modern uh, viewing. <laughs> All behavior is approved going forward. Hundred percent. Couldn't yeah. couldn't be happier with the result of that. Uh, what happened to David? What, yeah. Where did he go? This is the best. This is the best he's movie been, I've ever seen. He's been he's <laughs> desensitized. Are, are you doing this podcast under duress, Dave? Yeah. Blink twice <laughs> if you're okay. Uh, I, uh, I, Brent, I kind of have a similar background to you with with Thunderball. That um, as a kid, when I, I first, I kind of have a couple phases of of the Bond films, and I think I tuned in right in the mid '80s, probably right when Living, you know, like you guys, when Living Daylights was coming out. That was such kind of a big deal of Timothy Dalton taking over, and. So I remember at that time, like loving Goldfinger, loving Moonraker and loving A View to a Kill. Those were like my, and I think Dr. No. And uh, those are my Bond movies. So Thunderball was not on my radar. I mean, I, again, I knew of it, but hadn't seen it until the next Bond craze came in 95 when Pierce Brosnan was, was taking over and all the promotion of the return of James Bond after like a six year break and mm -hmm. golden eye uh looked so amazing and so tbs that's when they really started running it like all the time those bond marathons and seven days of 007 everybody wants him but only tbs has him 
those mo movies for guys who like movies. You want them? We got them. Every Thursday night, movies for guys who like movies. Which we love so much here. <laughs> the, uh, but, and, and that was when, and they, it always annoyed me because they would run them totally out of order. Not like the order really matters plot wise. I mean, just a little bit, but they would just run. It's like random movie. It's like a view to a kill followed by from Russia with love followed by for your eyes only. Like there's no rhyme or reason to it. So, uh, so I got really into it. I got really into the books. Same as you, John, I got all the books, read all of them. And that was where I really got into Thunderball. And it's, um, it's interesting because it doesn't have those memorable characters and gimmicks like Goldfinger had. So it's really, it does sort of take a turn away from that while being much bigger, much bigger budget, much bigger in scale and scope. It doesn't have the same kind of gadgets that people remember or the villains. Um, I think, you know, the, the Bond women in, in the movie are memorable, but, but the rest of it is like, it's, it's very different from Goldfinger in that way. Yeah, it is interesting though, because it does introduce uh, Blofeld, right? So, like, which you which hear he... him in From Russia with Love, right? Oh, you do. Okay, you so that's the first. Just... That's the first introduction. This is the first time you see him with the cat and all that stuff, kind of half half hidden. Yeah, we yeah. don't see his. We don't see his head. Okay, but we do see the rest of his body with the because cat. Because that's a normal way to hold a meeting where people can see everything but your head. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, if you're sitting in those lower lower chairs looking up, you're gonna see right past yeah. the partition. You know, like it lets there's a lot of that in this movie where I'm like, that doesn't work the way that you want it to work. And guys, that's how we have our meetings, though. That's exactly how our meetings <laughs> we go. all hide. We all the three hide. of us half are... hidden yeah. behind shop window grills and the rest of the staff are in the, that exact we modeled the conference room after this uh movie and if yeah. you're not looking at 60% of my body below the desk, it's not a power move, <laughs> apparently. I mean, there are interesting things about this movie that, like, set precedent for, like, spy movies and things like that. Like that Blofeld scene where uh, all the villains are sitting around the table and giving their, their updates. Like, that has been, like, mirrored and mimicked so many times over now. And it was, you know, like, at the time, it was kind of the first deal. They have these huge, like, grand like uh you know uh interiors and things like that and it's you know but it itself the movie doesn't really stand out but it does have like all these different elements that went on to be like kind of major key contrib contributions oh, yeah. to to like yeah. this type of storytelling yeah, the the Ken Adams sets I mean I guess we'll talk about that first because that's <laughs> honestly like who had nine minutes before John said Ken Adam? Yeah, <laughs> I was I was waiting for it. <laughs> this is I think this the is over Ken's, under. <laughs> uh, he had done, been the production designer for th three of the first four Bond movies. This is his third, and I mean he's his sets are incredible. They're beautiful. They're they're you can spot them right away that they're those large scale sets with those giant open rooms. Usually they have like you know they could have device walls that move or something that operates you know on a gimbal and they're just conference room at mi6 you fucking kidding <laughs> <Yeah>. me <laughs> like really it's that big it's not like <laughs> that's, 
That's what it is. It's a it's a gallery from the Louvre. Okay. Yeah, right. You can hear the echo just like bouncing, yeah. it just reverberating throughout the Yeah. But, yeah, the but fact that's that like a, a battle map was just like a giant, it was 20 feet tall, like that, I guess that would be projected or assumed to be, you know, populated quickly. Cause that, yeah. that did not look easy to put together. You got to have that. You got to, you know, when, when stuff's going down all over the world, you got to be able to, you know, I guess they wouldn't have had a laser pointer. Maybe they would have had a laser pointer. They were pretty tech savvy. So pretty, pretty advanced. <laughs> But but those sets are such an important part of, I mean, I think the first, what, half of the Bond run, because he, he does Bond films throughout Connery and Roger Moore's run. Yeah. And I can't remember which was his last Bond film. Might have been Moonraker, but- um, I think it was Moonraker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but they're kind of one of those, there's like 75 staples of a Bond movie and those sets are, are <laughs> one of them. <laughs> yeah. Right next to gadgets, gadgets, the women, the cars, the yeah. I can't, I can't wait till we talk about gadgets in this movie because yeah, when, when we get to it, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're they're it's they're coming. Interesting. <laughs> but um, thinking more in in a general sense, how do we feel? How do you guys feel about James Bond as a character today? We've we've seen him evolve uh, so much over the years. What's your Bond preference, and and what do you feel like is the best? kind of bond that fits in today like a nostalgia bond or like the daniel craig kind of modernized one well i mean they're it's almost two different characters now you you right. you can take the five daniel craig movies and we have borrowed character elements from the first from the previous i guess it comes out the 2018 other movies um but the, the character at, a, at a, any kind of micro level is, is not recognizably the same guy. Um, and it's, it's not to say that like the, the Connery, Connery's performance, which is one of the few things I loved about this movie, is just, is just watching him play this character. Um, it's a real character. He's not a particularly likable character or um, mm -hmm. someone you would ever want to be around. Um, but the Daniel Craig James Bond bears very little resemblance yeah. to him, um, yeah. which is, I mean, I I know that I've I've heard that they want if they go back they want to do a little something lighter than Daniel Craig going forward. I don't know how you could do darker than Daniel Craig, so <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but without the jokiness of and and the sort of the with the sort of character being in on the joke of the movies, um, you get to explore different things, but at the same time, you're not making like 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 Brent said, like the traditional James Bond movie. Um, those those five movies, you've made something else. That is that yeah. for me is great. I I love those movies, um, but it's 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 not like something that Austin Powers is going to be lifting stuff from. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I like the I like the most recent ones as far as like entertainment value. And I mean, just obviously, you know, like it's set in today's world, right? So I mean it just kind of holds up better. I think nostalgia-wise, for a long time I was always on the Sean Connery's the best bond train, but I have to be 
I'm coming around. I'm coming back around Ooh. on Roger Moore because, like, oh. Roger, Roger, oh. Roger Moore. Honestly, like, all his movies are the ones that I saw most as a kid. Like, yeah. he was he was Bond as I was growing up in the '80s, and so I haven't gone back and watched him. But just from a nostalgia standpoint, like, I've likely seen most of his movies more than any any of the other ones aside from the most recent ones because mm-hmm. uh, skyfall is like one of my favorite bond movies that's been done and i've yep, watched that me too. over and over and over again but <laughs> but yeah i'm i'm definitely circling back on roger moore which i know is not popular opinion but well, i mean the, 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 the conventional wisdom was always that you know roger moore's movies all suck and i i've never thought that i think that out Agreed. of seven films you, you've got like two and a quarter good movies total um better than the halloween just, movies yeah that's true it's a, it's a better batting average <laughs> than halloween. True. like the spider Fair. love me is still great you know the, the spider love, love me is, is a classic james bond movie it's got real performances roger yep. moore is is perfectly good in it and he and gets dark you, he's got a moment of like yeah, really getting edgy yeah. which you never see from roger moore yeah. or rarely and, and i think you can make like one and a half good movies out of um Live and Let Die and Octopussy. You can you, there's there's you can pick enough parts of them to cobble together a Frankenstein of a decent movie-ish. I mean, you still have stuff like The Man with a Golden Gun, which for me is still the worst of the series. Um, yeah. A View to a Kill, which I mean, Roger Moore. Hate, I remember reading. Don't one. go hating on For Your Eyes Only. That's a good one. <laughs> I no, love Your Eyes one. Only is, is is also really good. Um, yeah. That was the one I couldn't remember. But like, I remember reading once when somebody said. Roger Moore was an appalling old duffer when he took the part. He was, what, wow. 51 when he yeah, started? Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, no. it's interesting. I was reading that. So Sean Connery was, you know, he gets, he gets kind of banged on for being super old when he did Never Say Never Again, except he was like three years younger than Roger Moore was, yeah. who was, who was the current Bond at the time. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Which, is, which is pretty funny. Roger Moore just had, you know, Roger Moore, we're just kind of sidebarring on Roger Moore for a second, but he also yeah. auditioned for Bond for Dr. No and was, yeah. you know, he had conflicts with, uh, was it the Saint? I can't remember if it was the Saint or if yeah. it was his other, yeah, that, um, you know, it wasn't going to work out. And and I think they, I don't know if they were totally sold on him at that point anyway, but when he takes over in 1973 with Live and Let Die, He's still, to me, like he's still got a. I mean, he may be older, but he's still got a baby face. Like he looks so young in Live and Let sure. Die, he's, and then just twelve he's years not an later, old looking, he's not an old looking fifty three. He's an old looking sixty five. Yes, when yeah. he when he gets the view to a kill, he looks. Yeah. He's yeah. hobbling around. Yeah, that, like that's the most distracting thing about view to a kill, and everybody knew it. Then, and, and honestly, Wait, like not, they, not because you're walking. Not, <laughs> All right, maybe walking, maybe walking <laughs> with that blonde hair, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, and it was it was absolutely time for him to move on, but um, but, but I, yeah, I don't s- know. Oh, do God, we David. see this? Do we? Sorry, yeah. Do we see this? Well, we see this in other media, right? Like everyone sort of has a definitive Batman, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, the Frank Miller version of Batman kind of became the de facto default for. I mean, even through today, right? Like the. But there's still like in terms of film adaptations or the different eras of Batman over I mean, the over the years. Like we've been we've been trying to divorce it from Frank Miller for a while now. But 
Right. But there's still like, there's still so much to take, right? Like it's still the darkness, the I mean, broodiness. The, 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 the Dark Knight the, Returns is the, is, the, is the quintessential modern Batman. Yeah, you're right about that. Right. Yeah. So that it totally is like reinvigorated it. So, so I'm only yeah. saying that in terms of like, there, it's not like, it, but we see that and we we continue to see that in different mediums when we were talking when we did our year-end special we were talking about movies we were happy to see and then like the ninja turtles movie that came out this year came up and it's like the ninja turtles has has a different iteration every two three years since the comics in like the mid 80s uh batman of course across media for what now almost 90 for over 90 years uh across 19, comics wow. died, yeah yeah, so it's like there, you know, and so Bond also gets gets to go through that treatment because it's almost like, well, that's not my Bond. Like, yeah, I I I get the idea. I think like my Bond was Pierce and Pierce Brosnan, right? I you know, I just in terms of, I saw the Pierce Brosnan movies and I saw one, uh, Timothy Timothy all uh Tim Tim Dalton who am I Timothy Dalton movie? I saw yeah. Timothy Dalton in the theater in uh, License to Kill. Then the Pierce Brosnan movie. So I've only been watching since then. Yeah. And well, I, mean, I understand like Pierce is sort of like the ultimate joke on all of the jokes that came before him, right? <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, I don't know. If I mean, he, he, he they could never decide who they wanted Pierce Brosnan to be. If they wanted him to be. And they, you can you can see them experimenting. Like, in this movie, we're going to do Timothy Dalton. Yeah. And in mm-hmm. this movie, we're going to do Roger Moore. And, and they... Um. They tried Connery bits of yeah. it, and it it, it it never quite worked. Um, my memory of it is, is those movies especially were really made by committee. Um, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, they had they shows, have, especially in the later ones. They have a feel of the Joel Schumacher Batman run. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're real cheesy. They're, which is I mean, like, for, I look back, and, and Goldeneye, I think, is actually still really good. Yeah, um, I agree. The video game's great. War- <laughs> yes, it is. Slappers only, but fine. Um, and The World's Not Enough is 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 like three quarters of a good movie. Um, it suffers from some casting, but they 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 try some character stuff in that they hadn't done in the first two movies with him, and it was in, it was interesting. Um, mm. Die of the Day is near the bottom of the whole series. Yeah, and mm. the Tomorrow invisible Dies car kinda, and the. The yeah. ice castle. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. What the hell's going on? The surfing. On? Come on. They've gone too no. far with Bond. <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> jumped the shark. Dude, invisible cars. Yeah. <laughs> the most Why? impractical thing you could yeah. ever have. <laughs> like you would, you would want a car to be visible. That's that's, yeah. that's, that's something you would you would desire. In, yeah. In any way. But I think you know, David. I think going back to what you were saying. I think we we all have our James Bond, right? Whoever we kind of saw first or who was ingrained in our our brain, the first few versions of it that we saw, like we came in, you know, really like during the end of Roger Moore, but weren't really conscious of it till Timothy Dalton. I don't think anybody really associates Dalton as their Bond, or maybe not anybody, but majority of people don't. So it's either, you know, is it, is it Roger Moore? Is it Sean Connery? Is it Brosnan? Is it, is it now Daniel <clears throat> My James Bond is George Lazenby. Thank you. <laughs> there, there we go. go. <laughs> I was going to see if we could go the whole episode without mentioning. No, <laughs> I'm saying Poor George, man. That, that movie's actually really legit. It's and a great was, movie. And he was yep. pretty damn good, but you know, it's hard coming off the heels of Connery. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't ask it, for more money after one movie. Yeah, that'll, that'll he was in sort of an, an unwinnable uh position though with the audience. Yeah, so. 
Um, well, like Pierce Brosnan, like I think he was selling us Big Macs and Diet Cokes, you know, in his commercials. You know, they did like the the international global marketing Hollywood, you know, money making machine was I don't and I don't know what it was like before him before. Golden oh, Eye. well, I mean, there was more Vermont. way more marketing going on for the Brosnan films. I mean, oh, yeah, all, you know, each movie had a video game and some of them one of the one of them one of the best video games of all time <laughs> and, yeah that's, uh, that's what i recall it really becoming a machine like it was yeah. like a, a marketing machine like it you know before that like i mean it was you know they would come out every few years and it was kind of a big summer celebration but yeah when when you got you know bond nuggets and friggin all sorts of shit like that it's yeah, like okay it's a bond nuggets. yeah they they, they, they <laughs> The Bond movies really were a family business. Kelly yeah. Broccoli, Albert Broccoli, and his his daughter, and and then eventually Michael Wilson, his his son-in-law. They, they they really they kept a really tight hold on 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 every way part of how these movies were made. Mm -hmm. um, they are also famously stoppers that they they did not really take um, suggestions from cast crew kind of people at all. They uh, and, and but it is. When MGM goes bankrupt, and uh, it's with Brosnan that the so uh, is it Sony in '95 or do they just go to I forget um, when suddenly you it was got UA a, it was UA back it was then UA yeah yeah when suddenly you've got a full studio behind these things like no 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 we're we're gonna make big movies the way big movies get made not your kind of little one movie shop that turns yeah. out the same kind of thing every two or three years. Mm -hmm. And, and it shows. Uh, it's not your mom and pop, mom and pop bond. Yeah. Approach. I've always been fascinated too with, with this franchise in particular, that's I think unlike any other franchise in that it's probably the longest consecutively running franchise that, that we've had other than things, not talking about things like Dracula and Frankenstein, yeah. whatever being remade, like this has been basically going straight through since 1962 by the same people. Um, it's, it's the Doctor Who of film. Right, exactly. Yeah, basically. But, yeah. but within that, within the world of Bond, is there any other franchise that like doesn't the, the sense of time is so vague and not really having a clear linear history other than the Daniel Craig ones, which specifically do everything else is like it's just it's like the simpsons it's just present day yeah it, it's just constantly now um yeah. i mean it's got to be the fast and furious franchise right i mean no. <laughs> i mean I, I mean the cars change um, yeah i, I well, there's I, a back I, there's I, backgrounds I, with the characters so yeah, i love the fast and furious so i i, I don't we don't want we don't want to start that fight yeah um <laughs> we will bag on it then <laughs> but yeah um no they can they're kind of always right now-ish you know, especially, I mean, yeah. it's been, well, The Fast and Furious comes out, what, in like 99, I think? 2001. First one, first one? 2001? 2001, yeah. I mean, how well, many franchises, period, last 20 plus years at all? Yeah. Friday the 13th, Mission Impossible. Yeah, but those, I, have, well, I have trouble with Mission Impossible and the notion as a franchise, because the movies aren't remotely connected until like the sixth one or something like right. that. Yeah, it's late yeah, in the they're, game. They're, when they they're, they're basically anthology movies almost. Yeah. But isn't, um, isn't that what we were saying about Bond earlier? Like, they weren't really necessarily connected, I don't think, yeah, they early weren't. on. 
They are. I, I feel like they are now for sure. They the last now, run with they, Daniel Craig. The, definitely. The movies have the same DNA to the point where they're each almost kind of replicas of each other. Mm -hmm. um, like Mission Impossible, you have the first one. First one's a Brian De Palma movie. And, yeah, and, and, and the second one's a John Woo movie, and I'm like, yeah, there's it no way to correlate these things other than Tom Cruise. I feel like it took a minute for Mission Impossible to get there, but I think from like basically four on, though, it's all yeah, kind once, of been. Yeah. Once Macquarie shows up, then we're like, no, yeah. we're gonna actually do a real thing here. Right, um, which is what it always should have been. So. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but these ones are, I mean, they really don't touch each other except like a very rare thing, like in the opening of yeah. For Your Eyes Only, which is definitely a callback to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And that's, uh, I think- License to Kill the references thing. Honor Majesty's Secret Service as well. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a re License to Kill when he, when he tells, when Felix tells his wife, he was married once. Right, right, right. And I guess the opening of From Russia With Love, which has a character- so what Sylvia Trench from Dr. No. So there's, yeah, but it's oh. like, you don't have to really have seen, you know, to know mm -hmm. that it doesn't really make a difference creatively, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're in a really like interesting period here where, where Goldfinger just takes what was a successful, you know, it's only the third movie in the series, but takes a successful series of films and like, explodes into what is going to be the franchise that it that it becomes so thunderball has a lot of there's a lot of pressure on it that it's and expectations that this is a movie that has to perform and match and go beyond what goldfinger did i don't know you're looking well yeah it certainly did at the time for sure i think when you watch yeah. the movies now i don't know if it like we were talking about it doesn't there's memorable things in it, but not iconic things like Goldfinger has. Oh, yeah, I mean, in terms of performance, in terms of in terms oh, of yeah. box office. Oh, box office, yeah. yeah, definitely. Which, which yeah. we can talk about that when the time comes. Yeah, but right. substance-wise, I feel like it's more bark than bite, right? Like it's, I mean, it's I, it's it's flashy and it looks great, but I don't know. Like I, I didn't. When, when you when you read your plot synopsis, Brent, mm -hmm. I was like. Even that was a little too long. You could have summed up this movie in <laughs> in shorter time than that. There's not a whole lot I, that happens in this movie. Yeah. No, exactly. Like it, it, and you know, like I mean, it, it's like from one. I mean, again, like the the set pieces and things like that. Like the the all those elements are really great. You know, like the the effects yeah. are great. The set design is great. Like the locations are great. But yeah, the story is like what is you know like it's super. It's basic. Rewatching it yeah. this week, I was I was bored watching it. Actually, it, it um, took it took oh, me it took so me three boring. days to get through it, and I like oh. it was a, it was a grind. Well, hey, it's way 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 too long. We we live in the age of movies that are way too long, and this is like the first one. This is the first like big tentacle <laughs> mm -hmm. movie that is like forty five minutes too long. Yeah. That's why that's why I'm standing by Never Say Never Again because I also rewatched Never Say Never Again and I sat down and I watched the whole thing and it's I think actually runtime wise longer but it did not feel longer like I I was entertained and again part of that it might be nostalgia you know but yeah. I I if I had to choose between the two I would take this one and plug it in over well, the, the underwater stuff is what kills it because like like hey let's take our movie and not stop it dead for five minutes, but really slow it down. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. But at the and, time, that was 
like these action that are especially the underwater action scene like this is what action movies at their best at the time yeah. you they, know they get they get a thing in the opening credits underwater foot footage directed by they get a, they get a card in the opening in the opening titles yeah um and I, I said i admit like from a technical stance yes these these sequences are great but it's like yeah from a technical standpoint like citizen kane is great it's not fun to watch <laughs> yeah well i mean with yeah. all of these older bond films we've talked about this before that i i don't think you feel, like you're really only watching them for nostalgic purposes like if, if you want to watch a like a great action film a bond action film you're, you're not going to plug in the old ones you're going to want to watch something from brosnan on right you're going like to watch casino royale yeah, Casino yeah. Royale, Casino Royale Skyfall, any yeah. of yeah, any of the Daniel Craig's, um, maybe not Quantum of Solace, but uh, uh, underrated. That's not, that's, I, I, that's I, not I, their fault, though. The, I mean, they no, no, made that without not. a script. Yep. The, I, the, I, I, the... I came. I I went back to Quantum of Solace. It is better than we thought it was. Mm -hmm. I know it's shot beautifully. Oh yes. yeah, they're all beautiful. All the all there the was, modern said, ones. So. Every Bond movie looks great. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's honestly not that hard to do <laughs> right i mean yeah there's they they know they know what the look is now whereas yeah. in the, you know, the the early films that wasn't that that wasn't that big of a part of it the cinematography like, hey you know what looks great on film the ocean yeah yeah, yeah we know that's <laughs> the ocean sean connery sean connery <laughs> yeah the rest of the cast and that's it yeah. um but yeah it's it's i like i don't think you find i watched when during COVID, I went through all the Bond films with my kids, and they uh, definitely struggled with a lot from the old stuff. From not not just content, but the pacing of the movies and the length. And but I feel like Gold. Cool. I feel like Goldfinger is good. Yeah, like you yeah. can sit down and watch Goldfinger. I, I'm not bored when I watch that. No, you know, well, like... Goldfinger. There, there's a big difference between these two movies. That Goldfinger, as we talked about, has more memorable characters, sequences, gadgets that keep you engaged. There's also, I think, it's a faster-paced movie because there's more happening. There's more, you know, even small, short action scenes or chase sequences that they're happening more often in that movie that keeps you totally involved and invested whereas this one like just almost crawls to a halt while like right you know but i think i think that's what bumps me is like I, yeah. I think it's hard to say that the older movies aren't you know because i feel like this is just specific to this one like they, they mm -hmm. just couldn't get the they they spent so much time trying to make it look great they you know couldn't get the pacing right couldn't get the story right and it's just like it, it you feel it throughout yeah throughout it's the, the, entire it's the only bond movie i think that takes place in one location like there's there's no globe trotting in this movie he they, they we open up in london and he goes to the bahamas and he stays there the whole movie yep yeah hmm. i mean and th that's I'm, I'm going through my head now and it's like no this the, that's very anti-bond this is like no these these movies have gotta you've got to go to rome and then brazil and then Cape Town for some yeah. reason. We here we we go to Nassau and we stay there. But and they shot the hell out of Nassau. <laughs> yes, yes. Wouldn't it be cool if like Bond came to America and just solved a murder in like Tennessee? <laughs> like, you know, like well, just this is just on one case and it's just really simple. Isn't, like isn't that called knives out? Music City Oh Madness. shit, you're right. Um, oh, and, and actually, one of the John Gardner books is basically that. Um, really uh i'm blanking the title now it's it's basically they send bond to america to find and 
kill a serial killer. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. I, 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 that's, I where, that's where all the serial killers are. He's They're running right. rampant in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. We got to yeah. take him out. I, I, I want to say it was L.A. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, of, course. Right? of course. Of course. Yeah. A bunch of rich <laughs> people are dying. <laughs> so, there, there, are, there are no new ideas, Dave. Somebody's already done everything. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I just like it's like that, that when I was a kid, that's part of my like I was a jerk and I was biased. I was like, he's never in America. He's like, oh, he's in London and Russia. She's on the moon, I guess. He's underwater. Sean, I'm trying to think. Sean Connery is only an American Goldfinger, I believe. Um, I believe that's, right. that's correct. Yeah, Roger Limit died. No, no, no. no di- Diamonds are forever. He's in Vegas. In Vegas, right. Ah. Yeah. Um, but living Which, that die has scenes in America. Uh, I, yep. isn't, yeah, isn't that the one where Roger Moore's in, he's in San Fran, right? I feel New like Orleans. New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah. Isn't there close? No, no, no. But San yeah, Fran not, is a view to a kill. Not. Okay, view to a kill. Thank you. Yeah. See, like, I was wrong about which one, John, but I knew that it happened. So, <laughs> you know, eat shit. Daniel <laughs> Craig is never in yeah. America, I want to say. I don't think he yeah, no, no, he goes to Mexico. America. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't go to America. Yeah. I'd love I'd love to see a double O like undercover in Poughkeepsie. Just, you know, oh, what are you what are you guys doing? Oh, that would be <laughs> fantastic. License to kill fat in Key West. Um yeah. opening. That's true. Yeah. Um all right. Well let, let's talk a little bit about the the kind of the the formation of this one, the development of this particular film. as we mentioned, like there was so much pressure to uh have a successful film here the three prior films combined raked in uh about two billion dollars that's today's dollars uh so that's i mean just a massive amount and this is when movies you know did not generally pull in the kind of box office that they do now uh the word was yeah pre-jaws exactly yeah no summer blockbusters less theaters you know it was uh obviously the prices were less too but um the uh and the popularity of Bond was was huge. I mean, the, the twelve novels that were out at this time, I think all the, yeah, all the Fleming ones were uh, were out, and he had already passed away by this point. But um, they sold about sixty million copies, so it's a lot of a lot of trees. That's a lot. I remember uh, the, the, the the Fleming books I read as a kid were my dad's from when he was a kid. Nice. Um, these, these ancient like Avon paperbacks. I I, I remember this specifically. Wow. The, the books were yellow. Like the pages were not even white anymore. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah, they all had the same kind of cover treatment and microscopic print at, at, at 46 now, I can't imagine trying to read. Um, yeah. Apparently in the 60s, people's eyes were better. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Probably true. But yeah. But uh, no, nah, there was... Uh, I, I, I don't know how good they are anymore, but I remember Fleming being an incredibly entertaining writer, if nothing else. The, I, the guy knew how to turn a phrase. I really enjoy the books. I mean, they're you know they're they're dated. I mean, there's no the, the technology is not a big thing in the books. It's Bond in the books is very di- different, especially from Connery. Um, he's much more. I think Daniel Craig really nails the Bond, the book version of Bond. Yeah. Um, and there's there's no one-liners there's no you know i think there's very few gadgets and the gadgets that he gets are very much more simple than yeah. what we see in a lot of the movies so it's like the briefcase in from russia with love like 
that's a gadget because it has things that <laughs> pop out of it. <laughs> it's a briefcase with a knife in it. That's yeah, it. And, and and like a roll of coins, spring and dagger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. So this particular film, so Albert uh, Cubby Broccoli and and uh, Harry Saltzman made a deal with Ian Fleming for ten of the twelve novels. The reason the the two that they did not make a specific deal for were Casino Royale and Thunderball, specifically because those ones were already in there were projects already in development for those two films the casino royale was a, was originally a tv i think of what the yeah, mid 50s C a, cbs in like 53 or 54 yeah yeah did a tv movie which and and, and it's an americanized james bond so james it's bond. uh yeah very very different um so they kind of stayed away from casino royale and thunderball was already sort of ian fleming had a deal with um with a writer and producer named Kevin McClory uh, and a, uh, another writer named Jack Whittingham for uh, developing a project called Longitude 78 West. That was the original incarnation of Thunderball that uh, it never really happened, but it, they were working on it for a while. And when, when Ian Fleming walks away from that project and feels like that's dead, he returns to Broccoli and, and Saltzman and starts specifically writing Thunderball and of course, it has many, many similar uh, plot devices and characters to what they were working. He was working on with McClory. Uh, right. Kevin it McClory. Whole, it and, has the whole Spectre storyline, which exactly, is, yeah, which yeah. is yeah. A, the whole massive general plot. Yeah, massive similarity. Yeah, um, but Kevin McClory comes knocking and says, "Nope, I've got the. I've actually got the rights, so I'm going to take you to court." And the how they settle is. McClory wins the TV rights, and uh, part of the agreement is, uh, you know, if if he shops it around and and uh, no one wants to buy it, that they, they can sort of move forward with their project, and which is what he does. No one wants to make a Bond movie without Broccoli and Saltzman and Fleming. So uh, he tried, couldn't make a deal. They end up making a deal with, with McClory directly that he'll get producer credit, and he can't work on any bond projects for the next 10 years but as they say kevin mcclory will return in never say never again <laughs> yeah, that's right so yeah the uh that would not be the end of this uh story legally and that is why we well, get that film that is as mcclory's version produced the only bond movie really produced yeah. outside broccoli and saltzman that it um, wasn't the legally and it wasn't the only time he tried to produce one either. He tried to produce he, another one like in the mid nineties and all sorts yeah. of stuff. He tried and, for decades to make it on the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all based on the same story. All, like continued That's all he story. had. Yeah. That's all he had. It. And he, he was trying to milk it. And then what? He passed away in early two thousands and the rights went back to. Well, to... Not, not immediately. John would probably know a little better than I would more modern stuff, but I don't think they get the rights to Spectre back until like the late 2000s, early 2010s, right? Yeah, That's why that was, Casino I, Royale and Quantum are, are not, and Skyfall are not explicitly Spectre. Yeah, um, that's why they can't say the why, name. Yeah. And that's yeah. why the movie is called Spectre. They're like, Spectre. by yeah. the way. Yeah, we now got it. we now. have it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, he, I, yeah. I remember there was a really a, a thriving sort of James Bond corner of the internet back in the day. Um, the primary website being run by a woman named Kimberly Last. And 
it, it, there was this weird pseudo community around it and where, where Kevin McClory was like the arch villain of, of, of the Bond universe. This, this guy who kept coming back and kept trying to like hold the world to ransom with his, with his James Bond movie. And eventually, and I, I'm a little surprised that nobody ever bit on that again. I mean, Never Say Never was not a particularly great or memorable movie. But it was supposed to be the original, it was supposed to be the first of a series. So, so when they, when they originally signed to do it, yeah, you know, it was supposed to be uh, Sean Connery coming back to do a franchise basically. Uh, but then at the 11th hour, he was like, nah, I just don't want to get back into the mix. Do you remember? But, I hate this job. Yeah, no, pretty much. He was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't like, I mean, it, it's recorded that he had a real problem with being so in the public eye because of his Bond yeah. presence it's, and all that. And as soon as he did this, like it started kind of happening again and it was not something he was interested in. So he bailed. Thunderball, is, Thunderball is when he starts hating it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah, when it starts to really get bad, but it only just started with Goldfinger, really. Yeah. When it became like global, you know, so it wasn't like it was that much time that he spent in that limelight. It just did not, he had no threshold for it. He was just not interested. Yeah. And so, you know, he'd done Never Say Never Again. It was moderately successful. I think people were excited about the idea of him being Bond again. And he was like, I'm out. And then everybody lost interest. There was no momentum without his involvement. I mean, yeah. it's good. It's no Xanadu. It's no Xanadu. That's <laughs> or Zardoz. That's true. Or Zardoz. I like to I like to drop a Zardoz here and there on the show. Um, you've you've been known to drop a dirty Zardoz <laughs> for sure. The, but isn't uh, never say never what gets isn't never say never what gets Sean Connery Highlander because he wasn't really. By the age, Sean Connery's star has has dimmed quite. Yeah, a that's bit. part. That's also part of why he does that movie is that he's really trying to get his foothold in Hollywood again. That he, yeah, he never really um, found his place. Or I mean, he had a couple of good films in the seventies, but overall, he he wasn't able to like find his what his thing is going to be until not until like The Untouchables really puts him back on true like star status. Yeah, well, he won yeah. an Oscar too. That helps. Yeah, yeah, I think that, he wanted. I think he wanted work. He just didn't necessarily want uh, to be Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 think yeah. Sean, like, I think Sean Connery wanted bonding. to. Sean Connery wanted to play golf, and everything else was secondary. And, and <laughs> being constantly recognized detracts from your ability to play golf all the time. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, yeah, but as far as Kevin McClory goes, I think while you know another Bond in his version of Bond could have happened it was just i think people just want it was so legally complicated that no one yeah. I, I think felt sure that what they were doing wasn't going to get stopped by eon productions uh, somewhere along yeah. the way and no one wants to go through that so it wasn't worth the risk whether you actually could or not eon could leave you in uh litigation hell for long right. enough that your movie becomes not worth it exactly like he he clearly had the specific thunderball story that he could do, which he did with Never Say Never Again. Again, But anything beyond that, they could argue was not part, like is their territory. So- Yeah, too, too close, he only lived twice, and yeah. now we're doing this. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah. So, but back to Thunderball, they, they, you know, proceed with making the film and obviously Connery is still uh, the biggest part of it. And, but like you were just mentioning was really starting to sour on the role, really not because of the performance of it, but it's everything else that came with it of the persona yeah. of Bond and how popular he was. The, I don't know when paparazzi started being a thing, but it was, it was, it was around here. And yeah. the fact that he couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything without just being absolutely hounded. And, you know, you forget that he, at the time, he was one of the top movie stars in the world, you know, him and whoever, John Wayne. And this is still right at the time where Paul Newman and Steve McQueen are, they're really on the rise, not quite at their peak yet, but on the upswing. So, mm-hmm. Uh, he hated it. And and like many celebrities just didn't want to do it. He hated it so much. He did almost no promotion for this movie. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I mean, yeah. I think Daniel Craig did as little as he could. Yeah. But... The Playboy interview is the only one he did. Playboy yeah. interview is it. Yep. Um, but we, I, you we know, talked about Roger Moore being old. Look at how much Daniel Craig ages in those five movies. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he is a youthful Bry Young Man, it's in Royale. And by the end of No Time to Die, there's a lot of city miles on Daniel Craig. Well, also look at the time span that he, 50, he only did 15 five, years. Right. He yeah. only did five movies, but over 15 years. Yeah. Uh, what? Because he actually more than Casino, that. I mean, well, Casino Royale was 2006 and No Time to Die oh, yeah. was 2021. Yeah, so. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, 15. But Connery does, he does four movies six, in four years. Right. Yeah. Right, and and he does six movies in what nine years? Uh, seventy-one. Well, there's the there's a break uh, for George yeah, Lazenby, the, the yeah. Lazenby, yeah. and then he comes back. Right, but yeah. overall, his span is six is sixty-two to seventy-one. So, Correct. Yeah. Um. So nine years. So yeah. 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 A little that's bit. Still a lot. <laughs> that's it. Is that's a lot of movies? Honestly, yeah. like that's a yeah. I I think. I, I think Connery aged more gracefully than Daniel Craig did. Um, well, yeah, because he came back 12 years later to do... And still looked really uh, good. It yeah. And still did it fine. Yeah. Daniel Craig always had like a rough, uh, vicious visage to him. Like, I mean, it's he, not like he looked... He didn't look like, you know, the cast of Friends in their first season and then suddenly he was aged up. Like He, he, was, was, like, he seemed like, old he when, I, when he started. Right he, was, he, was, he was craggy by the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. craggy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he didn't seem young to me in the in his debut in terms of not that I'd say he's old, but I mean it's just he's I, an experienced I, I, man, experienced double. O. I had watched it par- partly because I ended up seeing No Time to Die four times in the theater um, <laughs> because my friends just kept wanting to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Well, fine, I'll go watch this incredibly depressing James Bond movie again. <laughs> I watched it the once. And, it was enough. And then I watched Casino Royale like a month after the last one. Uh, and like, and then he's, he's like a kid when all you've seen is don't have to die. For, <laughs> right. For two months. Yeah. He's, he's like a small child in that. Yeah. He's gone through three tours and in, in, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's seen some shit. <laughs> um, okay. So as far as Thunderball goes though, like what there's, uh, there's so much that, are we avoiding this because one? It's not very good. We <laughs> well, there's so much that's it? aged poorly. Like there's, oh. you know, we we could talk about like let's talk about uh, the obvious thing with Bond is like the sexism, right? Oh yeah, like, it's terrible. It's really I mean, it's bad. it's like uncomfortable. Yeah, like, even like, for James Bond, it's really bad. 
Yes. Yeah. But it's hard to, it's hard to like knowing he's the hero. It's almost hard to root for him. You're like, Oh dude, no, you're a fucking sleazeball. Like, yeah. In this, in I mean, this movie, I don't remember it sticking out as much. I know it's bad and all, and just all of them probably, you know, maybe even the recent ones. I don't know. But like, this is like, he should be arrested. It's, it's, yeah. The, I, the whole I, sequence. I texted my health- dad during the movie, Thunderball or casual sexism, the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, it's I didn't text my dad. I text John, which is almost the same thing. And I said, this is <laughs> rough. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough the, watch um, in a lot of ways. The whole sequence at the health clinic where, you know, he's basically like just getting some R&R, right? That yeah, it's, it's a couple of things going on there that it's very, very uh, happy, happy coincidence that uh, the villains are all also holed up there and he just kind of yeah. stumbles onto their plan. But um the way he's treating, I think the actress actress's name is Molly Peters, who is the like physiotherapist with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he basically rapes her. Yeah, no, it's that, that yeah. scene is super rapey. It's, yeah, yeah, it's pretty gross. It's well, really hard he, to watch that, and and I mean that that's something like like my kids watching it, like they really struggled with liking Connery after scenes like that, like. They just don't forget that, you know, that as cool as he is with the action and the one-liners and everything, like he also does that to women any chance he gets pretty much. So, yeah, um, yeah, really, really uncomfortable, really hard to watch. And also his, you know, his aggressiveness with, um, <laughs> with, uh, God, what's her name? Uh, blah, blah, blah. What's her name? The actress. Uh, uh, which character yeah. are you talking about? Yeah, what's her character's name though? Domino. Domino, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and and how he treats Domino too, that like he's so aggressive with her um that you know Bond doesn't accept no for an answer and that does not yeah. fly like anymore. for anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, it it's so bad in this movie. I'm watching it this week and I'm like, this can't have been acceptable in 1965. Like it, it, it and my memory of it is 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 all the Connery movies. Like, the, the Connery Bond is a womanizer, but in this movie especially, like, it takes it to this other weird level for some reason. Mm-hmm. That, like, I mean, he just is, is a the, predator, man. Like, it's yeah. really gross. This is the first movie where I got the sense of of the Connery Bond not as a womanizer, but as like a sexual compulsive. Like, dude. You're supposed to be working for one thing. You're yeah. supposed to be finding your work is finding nuclear bombs. Maybe stop looking at her for a second <laughs> or two at every yeah. woman who crosses your vision. Yeah, it's uh it is I, I think it's the thing that ages the worst. You know, we can we could say all we want about the pacing and the action and the you uh, know, we still got some casual that, but... racism too. So yeah. I mean <laughs> Yeah, there's we, definitely that too. We throw that in there. <laughs> can't leave that part out but (laughs) um yeah so i don't know that was the part that really was really tough to watch i i did like i'm I'm watching it and like this script is is the ultimate just a bunch of shit that happens it's 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 just the scenes are barely even connected to each other yeah it's that's true yeah yeah the plot picks off because bond happens to be in the same spa as the villains the villain's choice of henchman happens to be the villain's mistress's brother. And 
Bond happens, and, and then when he gets there, it's, it's all chance and happenstance. They give him the homing pill that they never use in the movie. There's a scene where I, 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 I spent the whole movie, okay, Q gave me the homing pill, and he takes it, but you never see them looking at where he is. Well, no, that's not true. Doesn't he get, after he's uh, kind of spying on them, isn't he like holed up in that kind of cave and that's how they find him is with the homing pill? Is it, it, I think that's where they, that's the one spot they is, use is it. Is that implied? Because I don't, I don't, because like in Goldfinger, you had all like the homing device screens, you right. know, like those, those old school, um, like LCD yeah. maps and stuff. I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't remember anything like that in this. I thought Felix was just flying over that particular atoll and saw him down there. And he had a flare. That's what, that's the- Oh, right, he maybe it was, yeah, 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 you're right. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, the thing, this lets you breathe underwater for minutes at a time. I don't think that's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, there's absolutely, I mean, it, I, that's what I was trying to mention earlier. I didn't put it nearly as eloquent as, as you did, John, but yeah, there's just very little substance in in this movie really beyond the set pieces and and mm-hmm. all the ancillary stuff yeah. like like it's like i was saying more more bark than bite and and it's you know just un, it's unfortunate and then you couple it with all the weird cringy shit and it's like mm-hmm. it's it's a tough go and we, we we you know we talk about sort of the staples of james bond movies and and one of them is like big strong villains and Largo is not that. He's got mm-hmm. he's got an eye patch, so I guess he's tough. Dangerous. And, yeah. Yeah. But like like and this is I mean it's it's kind of screenwriting one on one stuff, but it's still at the same time. What does Largo want? Right. Money. He's clearly money. already obscenely wealthy. So yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's it's very it, the whole thing's very thin. And and Largo, I like him as like a number two villain. You know, if he yeah. were, if, if, if he were like the second fiddle to somebody else would have, I think, because he's got a good look with the patch, but like, not as the lead that, that it's just, he's not captivating enough. And it doesn't have to do with his performance or anything. It's just, it's the yeah, character yeah. in general that. Well, 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 number two in Austin Powell. Powell. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I like, obviously I, I do like what they do with Blofeld that we see him for the first time you know, from, like we mentioned from neck down, but, uh, you know, so there's some intrigue there of like, what's, you know, what, what's really going on here and are we going to see more of him? Um, but Largo was just not enough. And then his, his kind of henchman who's Vargas, I think was his name. That, yeah. Who, who gets this, who gets this elaborate introduction and I don't think says a word in the whole movie. No, no. And then gets, you know, and he gets I a think great my death. favorite, my favorite death, death in the movie is the you know yeah. the spear gun right through the on the beach that uh yeah. that's that's great the moment. no the no look spear gun what do i do then go straight up on deck as a disco volante is being watched you'll be spotted vargas behind you really he must have followed us <laughs> <gasps> I think he got the point. It's yeah. Like, and it's, oh, it's, okay. a great, it's a great, like quintessentially Connery Bond moment where the no look spear gun, and then after he does it, like the look in his face of whatever, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just killed this guy. Just keeps don't care. going. Yeah. Yeah. Could, couldn't be bothered with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, 
I have a lot of respect to for just hear me out. I have a lot of respect for the action sequences, for the technicality of, of uh, you know, the technical work that was being done, that uh, it was direct. It was choreographed and directed by um, by Rico Browning, who was famous as the, the he played the creature from the Black Lagoon and was kind of. Yeah, he was like the underwater expert, so definitely the best person to bring in for it. And to just have that kind of scale of action that's being done is, I think, commendable that that, that it, they achieved it. I think there's some things that it goes on too long, like you guys said, the sped up, like they speed the film up a lot in this movie, mm -hmm. especially in those sequences. And I found that really distracting. James yeah. Bond drinking yeah. game every time they do day for night. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, I love it. I love a day for night James Bond. As as I'm watching those scenes, I'm like, <laughs> James Bond day for night. Love yeah. it. Looks yeah. terrible. Love it. I but I really I thought the climax with the gladiator style fight of two factions and this, the the like the underwater fight I thought was that was the best part of the movie just because it is yeah on a technical side where there's so much to manage you have to you really have to differentiate all the characters you have to differentiate like a progression of a fight and i think it might fail a little bit in that kind of like continuity wise but you do get a sense of just the battle keeps turning and yeah. like and it's colorful and it's and it's it's not muddied and not everything like that i just really like that they're like well we're just going to spend like in 10 days in the tank and uh everyone's well, going mean, to be fighting each uh, other i wish the, the appreciation of it sorry Brent, go ahead Oh, I was just, the only thing that I was going to say is I wish they would have found a better way to transition from being out of the water and into the water, because it's obvious to me when I'm watching it that they're like in three feet of water. And then anytime they cut to jumping into the water, it's like this large ocean. depth ocean, yeah, right? 20 and, feet and deep. Like, yeah. And I, and I get that they've probably built themselves a little platform to have their camera on and they need to be like close, but it is like painfully like, okay, you're in three feet of water and now you're you're mm. in the, the deep sea so that was the only thing that kind of bumped me because it happened several times and i was like why you know like i'm glad we figured out better ways to do that part <laughs> yeah i mean like the underwater fight scene like technically yeah i can really appreciate like i'm guessing you can't do like eight ten takes in a tank so you right. you probably got to get a lot of that first time yeah and yeah like, like it seems silly but Okay, the bad guys have black body suits, and the U.S. Navy frogmen have orange body suits for some reason. Um, but you so know, they can be hidden. So, yeah, yes, um, but it, it does let you sort of see how the fight develops. And Bonds is red. I forget, it, and you can always spot him in that scene as well. Yeah, well, he's um, the only he's one. That, yeah, he's got shorts, and yes. he's the only one that means anything like nobody else in that. You don't know anybody's names or I, rank or I, whatever. I, like, I love in that scene when the guys underwater start surrendering and they start just just the, the visual of the guys putting their hands up like bank robbers <laughs> underwater i yeah. started yeah they do the hands up and float hilarious to the top. but like if you keep the looking like there's so much like because there's like dead there's dead ones that are just floating with yep. a, a harpoon in their chest and there's so there's no blood at all until the until yeah, we need the, a shark to to matter until, like yeah. oh Let's talk about the shark uh, thing in this movie. Un, un, until the end, the, look, Mr. Bond, my tank with the world's smallest sharks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sharks eat that guy. I'm like, no, they eat 
He could you can take that shark off and throw it out of the pool. And, yeah. And it is a 50-pound shark. Well, when they throw <laughs> yeah. it in, in when they throw that, that stunt performer in the pool, he lands, like, on the shark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God. This movie is so anti-shark like this is 10 years prior to jaws but what is their problem with sharks like yeah they uh, i mean and they they shoot an actual shark in the you know i don't know if that was footage they bought or if like uh that was they did it for the movie but this was in the era where there were not the same animal animal protections that there are now oh they they ate that shark later on yeah i'm sure shark soup shark soup shark sandwich yeah, but it's just funny they they uh, have a real anti shark uh, movie happening here, and and of course that would come out back in a much greater way had, about ten years later. Had Jaws the book been written yet? Maybe they'd all read the book. I don't think so. I think that was early seventies no. when that came out. So there's always just been some kind of hatred to to, to sharks. Yeah. Well, I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, sharks are bad if you're not a shark. The big <laughs> the big ones are little sand sharks. I mean, we have those in New Jersey. They're really not that big a deal. Yeah. That's a difference between a like bad rap. coyotes and wolves. Like most coyotes will leave you alone. And yep. wolves will leave you alone too. But if they're hungry, watch out. Yep. Um, I, I do like the shot where Connery is, where Bond is, you know, doing his his uh, recon on uh, on. <laughs> the villains and he's in he's swimming through there and then he kind of comes face to face with the with the shark and that was like a real you can see sean connery react and there's a famous story that that was not supposed to have that interaction was not supposed to have happened and that was legit (laughs) fear and he hightailed it out of there as fast as he could we we, we didn't want the biggest movie star in the world in a tank with an actual shark right right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but um yeah, another thing, you know, we, we get all, all, all of our returning characters come back here. We've got M, we've got Q, played by the the great Desmond Llewellyn and yeah. Lois Maxwell as Money Penny, and uh, Bernard Lee was still uh, this version of of M and and would stay that way throughout most of the seventies. Um, all of those guys great in their performances. The one returning character that I have a huge problem with is Rick Van Nutter as Felix Leiter in this one. Uh, why do you even bother? I don't. I don't yeah. Felix doesn't yeah. do anything. I mean, you take the the, I don't know the the complete throwaway character that they turned Felix Leiter into very quickly in this series always bothered me. That you know Jack Lord was so cool as as Felix yeah. Leiter and Dr. No, he had a great look, great persona. Um, he felt like he could be, you know, on the same level or close to it as, as uh, Sean Connery and wasn't portrayed as being kind of a doofus that most of the other versions of Felix Leiter, he's kind of an idiot. Um, he's completely ineffective in Goldfinger and you have an entirely different actor playing him, different age, completely different look he's got white hair like he's in a hat and a hat and like he's just completely ineffective and useless uh, other than being a contact for bond here i mean he's like a surfer guy look kind kind of look i mean who who walks around nassau in a suit all the time (laughs) yeah yeah 
it just is so inconsistent of the tone of the character, the look of the character, what the character does. I mean, I don't think he does anything other than just help bring in the the U.S. you know the Coast Guard and the Navy. I mean, like the thing you said, John. I, I think that lighter in terms of like the production of movies, like starts off kind of as a foil for Bond, and then like they realize we don't really want him to have equals in the movie, and and that's why lighter devolves into that helper stroke buffoon character, yeah. kind of. You know, and, and and he pops up as a as a real character a couple times throughout the series. Um, David Hedison plays him twice in Live Let Die and License and yeah. License to Kill. Um, we, we don't get yeah, any no, meat it, on the bone until uh, uh, License to Kill. <laughs> also, also very anti shark. Um, yes, but but no, it's it, it's it, it it seems like a conscious choice to like turn down Felix Leiter had to be it had to be yeah i really like their their relationship in the novels is one of the parts that i like the most character wise because what happens in the bond movies doesn't correlate exactly to what movies certain scenes take place in and the the order of the books is totally different than the order of the movies the and there is a continuity in the book so in one of the early books is i think the second book and i want to say it's live and let die um is where uh felix leiter is tortured and yeah you the know, shark scenes happened in that book the, the shark you know eats eats his legs or, or one of his legs and and from then on in the books every time he meets up with felix there's like felix has kind of deteriorated a little bit more and like something else is wrong he's slower he's still got his wits and everything and he's smart and he's helpful for bond but bond's like really kind of heartbroken that his his friend who he connected with like he's watching him kind of slowly die over the course of the books and yeah. and uh or just you know get worse and worse and it's it, but there's something very human about that relationship whereas in the movies that doesn't exist at all until suddenly license to kill we're supposed to care yeah and, and that's that's another thing that that the craig movies do is make felix a real character and and give them a real relationship yes um, yeah I don't, know, I don't know spoilers but like felix's death scene in no time to die is is really good and yeah. and 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 the way that craig plays the aftermath of it like no you actually believe that these guys are equals you know and yeah. if they have a real relationship um felix you're from milwaukee i yeah i, I just <laughs> i love that so much and you have the same actor uh playing him yeah. you know that you he give them like- a chance to to... Casting Jeffrey Wright is also kind of like an own goal too. So that's 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 not exactly, you know, oh, reaching yeah. out left I mean, field and find something good. It's Jeffrey Wright. Totally. Like that that's a you know, an all-star actor playing that character who's gonna bring something to, he's not gonna play that role like the way these early ones would have been treated. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so that's that that bumped me a lot. Um what other gadgets are there in when, the film? When, when he punches oh, go ahead, John. Felix Leiter, when he punches Leiter for about to say 007, and then he says it three seconds later. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of the things. Is, there's a whole bunch of things in this movie that I'm like, what are you doing? Like, in the conference room scene, we had, the, okay, and now the naval attache will present his presentation. And the guy talks for like eight seconds. Here's a map. That's really all we know. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like, why, why is this scene in this movie? It yeah. doesn't, it, character literally does nothing other than point at a map 
and sit down. Uh, but in that scene, there's, there's, that's the first time we see the other double O agents, right? Or it's acknowledged that they uh, exist. Don't they mention them in For Much With Love? I think maybe. There might be a mention of it, but we yeah, actually see them mention. all see Yeah, you actually there. see, you actually see people in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, not only that, they're, they're, it's only the double O's from Europe. So there's, right. there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Elsewhere. So I thought that was kind of cool that like you've you, you get a little bit deeper of the world that Bond's in just just for a moment just to see it. So and yeah. M is in charge of all of them. The hat stand has moved. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We still get the same sexual innuendo with uh, with Money Penny. That is always also yeah. cringe, always. but one of the famous things about you know it is one of the James famous Bond. things. It's in yeah. every one, every single yeah. one. <laughs> Um, I do like the Bond M relationship that goes on. It's like this sort of father son ish kind of yeah. re- relationship. And Bernard Lee is is still my, like that's my classic. Like I, I love him. He's just this cranky old man. Yeah, he's great. Um, what other gadgets yeah. do we have in this one? We've got we we start off. What do you what do you think about the opening sequence? Kind of, I know we're jumping around why, a bit. But... Why is the fight choreography in that so much better than the rest of the movie? I know. Like, it starts off great. Like, this is a great yeah. fight sequence. And, yes. Um... And, 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 the, and like, I'm watching it and going, I don't remember the choreography in these movies being this good. Yeah. Um, and then it's only in that scene. I'm like, oh, this is what I remember it being, just kind of crap. Right. Well, um, that's the... It, that's... It, that's the grab you at the beginning, right? Like they're yeah. like, "Welcome back yeah. to Bond. This is this is going to be one we, hell of a ride." We only it's had great. the flight choreographer I mean, for one day. Yeah, and then yeah. they replace it with vast blue ocean and underwater yeah. slow. Yeah. The reason that one was so amped up is because all the other ones were slow and underwater. Yeah, right. That scene is very clearly sped up in a bunch of places as well. Yeah, that, yeah, yep, for that, sure. That was but, an old but, trick, though. They used to do that in all sorts of. They yeah. did. They did it a lot. Um, but it's a fun sequence and. Uh, you know, it's clever and you get, you know, you get, you see the Aston Martin, which is all beat up to hell looking Yeah, and you, <laughs> and you get the jet pack. So, which was that jet know, pack is ridiculous though. Come it on. is now. Yeah. How did it get to the top of the roof? That's my only, like, yeah, how, did it get, how did it get there? It's like, I've got to escape, ahead. I, I've, but if I can, what? It doesn't, and it fits, in, and it fits in the trunk of the Aston Martin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. that's the the trunk and, of the Aston Martin was built specifically for that jetpack. Yeah, and it, it, <laughs> that's it. It does have like a callback to the the sort of the Doctor No much love Bond. Was how does Bond figure the guy out? You shouldn't have opened that door yourself. I'm like, I like that. That's 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 closer. He figures out red grant red wine with fish kind of thing. The, the Bond as the sort of snooty aristocrat, almost that he doesn't get to do a lot because because Sean Connery is not great at that part of it because for everything else Sean Connery is not a snooty aristocrat um but getting to see that bit of the character for like one scene was mm-hmm. really cool well and and another like moment of pure brutality with Bond too the way he kills him uh was it Jacques uh, I forgot his last name Jacques whatever is the okay. guy he's fighting yeah, yeah. That uh, you know, when he breaks his neck with that. Yeah. Like pressing his knee into his back and like pulling up with the fire poker, you know, like yeah. That's that's brutal. I mean, but that's that's real James Bond. Yeah. But I, I love that that scene, like like Sean Connery wasn't great with one liners. Um 
but what he, he was good with, with 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 kind of like almost physical one-liners like the, the bit at the end when he's about to leave the room he's like uh, and he and he throws the flowers on the on the corpse and um one one of my favorite moments in in the whole series is when he is at the spa when he finds the dead body then he walks out and like the absolute ultimate casualness where he elbows the fire alarm like yeah. that that image has been stuck in my head since i was a kid is of, of just how like carefree and casual oh, he yeah. is about about a dead body oh yeah. whatever Bonk. you know fire alarm and then he hits on the first woman he sees 10 seconds later yep who he doesn't know yeah my uh my my other favorite moment in this movie speaking of being casual is <laughs> when he comes you know when he's in the bahamas and he comes back to his room and there's that the you know, guy waiting in the shower and he like knocks him out and his hands dangling over with the gun and he gives the world's worst judo chop it's like a flick of the wrist <laughs> it's like almost like a little slap and he chops the gun out of the guy's hand like that's it was a it was a gentlemanly judo chop <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god but um the uh, how'd you guys like the the Tom Jones uh, Thunderball theme song? Is that a win for you guys or? It's I don't know if it's a win. It's one of the most memorable for me. Yeah. Um, because and again, especially in 1965, hiring Tom Jones is is kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Like, well, at what point did the did the theme songs become its own iconic thing, right? Because like now it's you know like it's, Goldfinger. That's that's Goldfinger. Gold, yeah. Goldfinger yeah. was the first one, so that's when it yeah. kind of set the precedent well, for all of them to be. Doctor No doesn't have a title sequence, and I believe For Much With Love has one, but it's not kind of the big Maurice Binder production mm-hmm. that they that yeah. the Goldfinger is when you get the classic James Bond, what we still consider the James Bond title sequence. Right. Yeah. I'll say that was that was uh, absolutely missing from Never Say Never Again on rewatch. Yeah. They they do not have yeah they, like, uh, that. Even the title sequence is just women swimming. So Sil- is just swimming silhouettes for three and a half minutes. Yep. Isn't that what they all are? They're just they're women all they're all women silhouettes. Something? Yeah. Yeah, but they're, 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 they're doing more than one. Thi- they're doing more than one thing. They're not just swimming back and forth across the screen. <laughs> well, yeah. that's it's giving you a heads up that that's all that's going to be happening. There's going to be a lot of swimming in this movie. A lot of swimming. A lot of underwater um, fight scenes. The, uh, yeah, the everything that happens at the health clinic is so convenient. You know that uh, he he goes to a spa for a bruise. I just want to make right. that clear, dude. The right. most hilarious scene in the whole movie is at the damn health spa and that's when he's locked up on that friggin traction machine and he's yeah getting jiggled jiggled to death <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous it is so <laughs> hilarious i also love i'm gonna strap you into this machine that like stretches out your spine and then i'm just gonna leave yeah. i'm gonna leave yeah <laughs> what could possibly go wrong <laughs> yeah that's that's, that's quality there's no better. fail safe no this is You're safe. Safe. It's, it's gonna work yeah he gets revenge when he locks the guy in that like little personal sauna with a, with a broomstick. With a, yeah. yeah, yeah, and turns it all the way up. I said, like, my, my dentist asks me if I'm okay every forty-five seconds, and she puts him in his machine and then just leaves the room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right, John, can you walk us through? Do your best to walk us through. Like, I know we talked about the plot is really thin, but like, what? So, 
walk us through what's happening with with the villains here like what are they trying to do the 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 character with the facial surgery do you make sense of all that i mean i i think it's comprehensible so we want to hijack a nuclear bomb which there's a there's a line it's a standard training flight why do your standard training flights carry two nuclear bombs with them that seems standard. very not standard yeah our, our standard is giving guys nuclear weapons um so they specter spends several years turning one of their agents but he's not one of their agents he's like a consultant they hired through an agency because he doesn't actually work for them kind of thing and they spend two years training this guy to be this nato officer and the plan is to sneak him to switch places with them and sneak him onto the plane have him kill the crew i'm guessing it takes two years because he had to actually learn how to fly the plane yeah you know, yeah I, I don't I, most actors don't need two years of prep to do their character so i'm guessing a lot of that was flight school kind of stuff um and then dude don't ask for money at the last minute don't i just it's, don't terrence howard yourself man because they yep. will terrence howard you <laughs> and and what then you... the oh go ahead the I the I had thought cool idea of okay we're gonna crash the plane in the ocean, and 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 hide it there. I have a thing about that later, but then we re it's revealed in the end of the movie. Oh no, it's only like ten feet of water. The plane the plane's the plane's under. Yeah, I'm like oh yeah. I thought you were like the Marianas <laughs> Trench. No, you're just right. in a, a couple hundred feet off the shore with this yeah. plane. Um. Well, but the, they have and that that uh, camouflage that they throw that camouflage net they throw the over weakest it. looking camouflage. Yeah. What is yeah, that? The, 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 the lamest camouflage net that takes like five minutes of screen time to put on. I'm like, okay, we get it. You're putting a camouflage net <laughs> over the plane, yeah. please. They were too in love. They were, they were too precious yes. of the underwater photography. It was like we we got yes. it. It's beautiful, but yeah. But I they, like Bond's. I like Bond's glass bottom bucket gadget. I thought that was pretty pretty yeah. extravagant. Yeah. That's pretty neat. I like that. I yeah. but like training this guy for two years and you, and they correct him two different times on his way out the door. Uh, the hat goes straight in the hat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, two years. The whole thing is the uniform. Like, what the what the fuck? Like, you don't know? Like, yeah. Stand up straight. Pick well, I mean, this is this is like Spectre has this huge operation. Like we 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 go we do the scene of apparently Spectre's business meeting where we just talk about our criminal enterprises and how much yeah. money we're making off of them. It's like um, any production meeting. You just run through the agenda. Yeah, and yeah basically. Update. The agenda, drugs, murder, blackmail, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Spectre, Spectre is just a large you know, web of middle managers <laughs> to, yeah. like reporting <laughs> in then, on things. When we get down to the guts of it, they're not very good at any of this. Like, we, we, we hire our guy who tries to turn on us in the last second. And again, doesn't know how the guy says goodbye or or how he wears a hat um <laughs> and then like okay we, we kill this guy but like if that guy's seatbelt had worked does he survive the movie like right. they don't give him his money but does he swim away like okay thanks i guess i'll go be this guy for the rest of my life now yeah. or 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 not right. this this the, the, the specter plan does not seem well thought through however it doesn't hold water if you will I think it was Blofeld's cat who came up with it. <laughs> I'm still, um, I'm still guys... mentally chastising John for the hold water joke. I mean, that's... <laughs> oh, the, the one uh... thing I really love about this movie is the head of Spectre's execution branch. The, I can't remember the character's name now, 
the redhead. She's great. She's in Lu- some yeah. other much cooler movie. I was I was just going to ask you what you thought of her. The actress's name is Luciana Palazzi, um, who plays Fiona Volpe, and I think she's a great villain. I think she's yeah she's so much more like I don't know. She seems so much more vicious and cold than yeah. even Adolfo Celli is as uh, yeah. And, and but uh, she, yeah. she goes out she goes out very poorly. Like oh yeah, and then she gets shot by her own guys oh. at a dance club and bonds. yeah <laughs> yeah the weird festival or not weird but the the festival the street festival yeah. um you know, yeah, i really like crashes boat into an island yeah she was she was so cool watching what like the performance and the character were, were, were from some other better movie she kind of feels like um a little bit like sexually on par with with bond that like yeah she has no problem using sex as a weapon and whether it's to kill somebody or to get information or whatever, you know, she's not, she's the aggressor and not the one like being mm-hmm. abused. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I thought, uh, I thought her performance was really good and I like that character. So, and of course we see it going back to Austin Powers, a lot of vagina uh, is completely taken <laughs> from this character. Watching this, I, I dig it like, Oh, this is where like eighty percent of Austin Powers comes from. This this movie, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it does. This yeah. is the one after, like so definitely. Much. Which, well, I mean, and I remember again back in the early days of the internet because I'm ancient. Um, whatever the nineteen ninety eight version of Box Office Mojo was, mm-hmm. I remember looking at it and like your all time movies adjusted for inflation. It's like Star Wars, Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz, Thunderball. It was it was it was insanely popular. It made of the time tons of like money. tons of money. Yeah, like unbelievable amounts of money. It was, I believe, even not adjusted for inflation, the highest grossing one in the series until the late seventies. Wow. Uh, yeah, until I believe it's seventy nine. We'll we'll get into that yeah. uh, in a little bit here, but yeah. Um, so people okay. love Thunderball for some reason. Yeah, yeah, they. It's always the one after the really famous one, right? So right. Goldfinger opened the door, and everybody rushes to see Thunderball, only to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> well, all, for all these franchises, for, <laughs> all, for all these franchises, they're they're an after effect of the previous one that came out. Like, look at look at what happened in Star Wars with Last Jedi and and uh, and Solo feeling the. For whatever you think about Solo as a movie, but definitely felt the after effects of people's unhappiness with The Last Jedi, regardless of what Kathleen Kennedy or Lucasfilm or Disney says about it, that that was a, had a direct War- impact. Rise of Skywalker is a reaction to the reaction to The Last Jedi. Exactly. I mean, the exactly. whole movie yeah. is that. I, I, I always joke that the, the line that Francois Truffaut said, the only way to criticize a movie is to make another movie. He didn't mean you should literally spend $300 million and do that. Which, <laughs> but if you're Disney, which, that's what they're Which Disney did, yes. That's the way now. I mean, we can that's all admit Rogue One was the best of the new movies, right? Yeah. Oh, hands is there, any, is yeah. there any question? My favorite. I always said, I, I wanted to be sitting next to Ryan Johnson at the episode nine premiere and just watch him go, wow. what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you did you, what? You erased my whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of? Uh, so Claudine Auger plays Domino, who is the the sister of the pilot who was now her, her actual brother's long 
dead, but yeah. the um, we only see the imposter version. Well, I guess we see the real one for a quick moment, but the imposter one is is who we uh, see more of. Um, is is she the lead Bond girl with the least screen time? She's not in it much. I think so. I mean, she she really isn't in it in it much. I think she's, um, you know, her she does have some motivation with her character and her relationship with her brother. And when Bond tells her what happened, yeah, you know, she wants she revenge. Mean real fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he kind of wins her over as an ally uh, pretty quickly. Um, I think she's okay to me as a as a character. I mean, I think we see much better throughout the series. I think we see some that aren't as good, but she's memorable, at least to me. The movie has to, because it's 1965, the movie has to hint at a lot. And like that scene where, where they meet and they're at the uh, when they meet the second time. And she and he says, and Bond says, something like, why did you say my guardian? And she says something to the effect of like, it sounds better than kept woman. And I think that line is supposed to is supposed to tell you a lot about their relationship, but I don't. I wasn't alive. I don't know what the movie is trying to is telling us there. It's like it's mm -hmm. like if you're in the know, oh, that means that they are have this kind of relationship. But I don't. I don't know the code for whatever that's supposed to convey. Hmm. Well, I think it's supposed to be that you know he's forced himself on her, and he she she's oh, okay. in a forced relationship, probably sexually, physically. Clearly, he abuses her, you know, as we yeah. see, yes. um, as we see later on that uh, Largo, once he finds out that she is, is spying on him, he tortures her. <laughs> yeah, that was that was very I remember uh, watching it going, whoa, this is, this is for early Bond movie. That's that's very not graphic, but like intense for, for these yeah. movies at the time. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I don't know. I, th I think she's kind of like in the middle middle zone for me of of the the Bond women. She's not bad. She's not particularly memorable, you know. But I mean, she she does a good job with what she has, which isn't. There's not much for the actress to work with, right? In the beginning, she yeah she 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 has no clear motivation. She isn't on screen that much, and yeah. she's kind of a plot device. Right, she is. Yeah, I mean, he Bond needs her to get some infi inside information, and that's that's yeah. really it. Um, and apparently, they had sex at the bottom of the ocean somehow. Yeah, just air bubbles. Like, Always oh, so. I'm watching, the, I'm watching this scene, going like, how do the mechanics of this work? Do we keep the scuba masks on? Is that uh, sex with scuba tanks? Is that what we're mm -hmm. doing here? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you have to keep the scuba tanks on. I think. <laughs> or you're holding your breath a long time. Yeah. And do they also have like a mid-air sexual encounter, like at the end of the movie? Is that implied? Like, <laughs> so they're mile high. Uh, they're mile up. high club. Yeah. And what's yeah. what's the 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 deep blue sea club? What's the <laughs> deep blue? I don't know what the <laughs> the deep blue sea club. <laughs> uh, you think you you just coined it? Yeah, this movie also ends very abruptly. Like even, <laughs> yeah. even for a James Bond, even for a James Bond movie, it's like explosion, explosion, and title. Like, oh, okay, and the movie's over. All right. Yeah. There's ending there's no like up. closing witticism from Bond. You just okay, we're, we're leaving. All right. This is yeah, the, the third movie that ends in on a on a, on the ocean, uh, and then <laughs> when they're on a rescue raft yep. in the ocean, or this yeah, 
<laughs> like, yep, it's or, a good spot to end a movie. I mean, may yeah. as well. You got nowhere else to go. Uh, I mean, yes, they get picked up by this one, but it's it's either <laughs> just sex on a boat or sex on a, a, a emergency raft sky, or skyhook or, or, or skyhook. Yeah, I yeah. mean, shit. I guess I guess you got to go to space next at some point soon and they we'll do get there soon and, and, and oh. they do. <laughs> yeah the, they um, Moonraker. Okay. <clears throat> oh you're gonna love that <laughs> the uh special effects by john steers are are kind of uh are kind of fun here that that explosion he seemed to really uh go a little crazy with the explosions on this one especially <laughs> the uh the disco volante exploding at the end that you know it crashes on the rocks and and goes into this massive explosion yeah why does that boat explode like that well uh, that's uh, this is this is in the day when if a car touched anything it exploded that's, so is, is the pressure hole made of gasoline I, I <laughs> the uh but he used so much explosives that windows were blown out like 30 miles away supposedly nice that's nice a lot also but, preceded by some of the cheesiest model work in the entire series. Well, yeah, um, yeah. With this, with the, with the, the wide shots, with Disco Volante. Yeah. No, even for and you the guys. Rear screen, the rear screen projection. Oh, oh is, God. It's, it's tough. The worst it's, I've ever seen. The, the yeah, repeated, it's, it's the repeated footage. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's moving a little too fast. And the, yeah, it's, but that was the technology of the day, you know, that, yeah. that was, yeah. Couldn't um, turn left fast enough. Like, yeah. <laughs> but John Steers won an Oscar for this, uh, for best visual effects for you Did, know for this film. Does the underwater stuff count as VFX? I'm wondering. I don't think so because it's really just a fight sequence. There's no. Yeah, okay. I mean, there, there's effects being done of you know the the wounds and the weapons and all that, but okay. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. Um. Yeah, so that was uh, that was interesting, but the uh, I believe so, the first Oscar the series wins, and maybe the only one. The I'm, I'm going well, back in my memory. Didn't Billy Eilish win the Oscar for song? Yeah, Billy Billy definitely uh, won the Oscar for sure. So okay, good song. So that's it's got at least two, maybe one or yeah. two more, but uh, yeah, out of twenty three attempts. <laughs> Um, all right, I, I actually kept track of uh, of uh, a couple of uh, counts along the way uh, on this film. So the the kill count. I'm keeping a James Bond kill tracker of <laughs> not just not just ones that he kills, but how many people die in each movie. So okay, and this is far and away the most out of the first four films. So really, Doctor No, Doctor No, thirty six <laughs> from Russia with Love, forty three. Goldfinger, a whopping seventy-eight. The end any of guesses on yeah. any guesses on how many on this film? One million. Seventeen. Sorry. Very close, John. One ten. One hundred and ten people. Oh, look at that! Wow. So that's a lot of paperwork. If you were to file any paperwork about, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. don't do it. Jeez, yeah. like underwater oh deaths count as double. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> So that's a grand total increase. after four films, 267 people die, and we got a long way to go. So way to get the golden eye when he bows people down with a machine gun. Yeah, I mean, there's no way we don't get into the thousands here. <laughs> yeah, we should be in the thousands by the next couple. 
if they just yeah. exponentially keep getting larger and larger. Well, the next uh, you you only live twice. There's a lot. There's a big action sequence at the end. A lot of people yeah. go in that one. Well, it sounds like people yeah. can die twice in that movie. Yeah. And then the other tracker I've got is is how many sexual encounters Mr. Bond has. All right. So Doctor No. Three from Russia with Love. Five. Goldfinger. Three. Thunderball. Only four. Only four. Okay. Yeah. Only four. So in four in four films, he's had a total of fifteen, uh, you know, visible sexual, sexual encounters. encounters. So, nice. Yeah. Uh, again, a lot more to come, especially when you get to Roger Moore. Then yeah. Roger Moore is a little more lighthearted. Oh, a lot more about, about the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you you get some of the some of the oddest ones as well. There, Roger Moore is when they take the Ian Fleming naming conventions and go way over the top. Right. Them. So the film is, uh, it's really crazy, the production schedule on this one, that they they start shooting in the spring of 1965, and the goal is to have it in theaters in September. So, yes, aggressive. It leaves almost no time for Post to do their, you know, to for Peter Hunt, who is the editor of the first uh, five films and the director of, of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah like no time to put this movie together. So they end up, uh, you know, petitioning David Picker at United Artists and get him to push it to December release. So, so if, we, uh, we can have six months to make our giant movie. Yeah, to like shoot and edit the movie and market it and everything. So yeah. that's how that's how much of a quick turnaround they wanted from Goldfinger that they absolutely wanted to capitalize as quickly as possible. Which they had already, which already came short. The first they did four movies in four years. I mean, they yeah. they they really bagged these things out back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we talk a little uh, a little box office glory now? Let's get into it. Like- Thunderball has a nine million dollar budget. That's double Goldfinger's budget. It, uh, as we mentioned, it shot in early spring 1965 uh, in London and the Bahamas. It opens up December 29th, 1965. Now, there's not a huge amount of box office info, as we've talked about on this show, prior to like 1980. So uh, we have a little bit of limited info, but it looks like it had a $63.6 million domestic run, 77.6 internationally for a total of just over $141 million adjusted for inflation. That's 2 billion for this movie yeah. alone. Dude, that's massive. That's, that, really? that's end game. That, I mean, yeah. that's, wow. that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then wow. on top of the 2 billion, you know, adjusted for inflation that the, the three prior films made. So you're looking at you know, averaging a billion dollars per movie. That's, and well, I mean, I mean Mar- Marvel does that, or or, or used to at any rate. Um, <laughs> used to. Maybe, but with that, but but even the shooting budget of this with adjusted for inflation be around a hundred million ish. Like like, so it'd yeah, still, still be a cheap movie today. And uh, you know, that's kind of like now the sort of bottom floor for studio action movies. I think would mm-hmm. be a hundred million. Mm-hmm. But uh, in today's, but I mean, you know, so yeah, it's a nice turnaround for kind of a kind of a high risk project i guess in a in a certain sense even though it's a franchise and it's it's Sean, uh, connery coming back but 
you know, but, they I mean, keep investing and they keep getting a nice yeah. turn, turn return. It's, it's a risk. We came off this, this super popular, super exciting movie. Let's make something really boring and see if people want to see that. And they did. Yeah. And they did. <laughs> yeah. like, yes. And the world flocks to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's multiple views. Like you're, you're not yep. getting to that box office without going, people going to yeah, see it yeah. more than once. People, people went to see this in the theater multiple times. I'm like, yeah, yeah. They're like, that's the best they thing I've ever it. seen. Yeah. Yeah. How, how it's not like you have more to compare it to, I think, that that it starts to wear down a little bit. Yeah. But like, um, if you're going to spend two and a half hours in a movie theater uh, in the 60s, uh, there's, I guess there's worse places you could, worse things you could see, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, yeah. uh, this was the highest bond uh, tally until The Spy Who Loved Me in 1977. So this would this record would last for about 12 years. Yeah. This was the Thunderball was the number three movie of 1965, uh, right? Uh, let's see, behind Doctor Shivago and those magnificent men in their flying machines, which I've never seen. That speaking of ways to spend two and a half hours in a movie theater in 1965, you could be mm-hmm. you could be watching Doctor Shivago in yeah. Thunderball. <laughs> yeah, and people uh, this, did. The Sound of Music was number one uh, in 1965, and. Okay, so now going back, not adjusted for inflation, where does this one kind of land box office wise in the James Bond franchise? Any guesses? You get to the not high end, ad- low end, not middle. adjusted, not adjusted. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be low. Say sixteen. Pretty close. It's uh, it's number nineteen. So it's 19. right between. Of you to a kill and Goldfinger. That's what I was gonna say. Nineteen. Yeah. What what is it adjusted in the series? Uh oh, God, my we'd have to get the math department. Uh, it's got to be close. It's got to be close to the top. I mean. Oh yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it's got to be probably top if, if, three or four, if not the top. Yeah. Yep. I mean, No Time yeah. to Die was 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 a hit, but it, I don't I don't think it did two billion. No, it even, didn't. Even didn't go Nope, I think it's there. number. I think it's number two. I just I checked the uh, uh, Google's, uh, and it looks like it might be number two, and Goldfinger is number three. Uh, Skyfall, mm-hmm. Skyfall being number one. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. But you know, Skyfall, the reaction to people loving Casino Royale, and and you know having more assurance that bond was in good shape now well so. but skyfall came after quantum of solace right so like quantum of solace oh I yes that's right people, yep. i think people were kind of down a little bit i i will say that i saw skyfall like three times in the theater though i i i don't know if it's because coming off quantum and i have not rewatched it like like john has so i i'm not i'm i'm not sure how it holds up now but skyfall I is my least favorite craig movie is it really? See, so it's my yeah. favorite, it, and it it's has been since, since it re- released. And I was pretty disappointed with Quantum at the time, so yeah. I think I was just in love with the idea of a better Bond movie. <laughs> and I saw yeah. it Skyfall to me is is another movie where it's a lot of scenes strung together that don't seem to have much in relation to each other. Um, yeah, but it's got so much style and panache. It's good. It, yeah. it, it, it does. Um, but like, I, I don't know how long we get to talk about Skyfall. Like, I feel it wastes Ben Wishaw. They use Ben Wishaw much better in four and Later. five, and yeah. Inspector especially. And because mm-hmm. he's one of those guys who, when he's on, you just want to watch him. Ben Wishaw mm-hmm. is, is incredibly charismatic, he's whatever great. he's in. 
Um, and I said, especially Inspector, like, I just want to watch him and Daniel Craig talk for, for two hours. Just yeah. make make your scenes, Daniel Craig and Judy Dench, and then Daniel Craig and Ben Wishaw. No villains, no plots, just two-handers with those guys back and forth. And I would love that. Um, Skyfall does have Javier Bardem in 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 in, in the only Bond performance I would categorize as delicious. <laughs> delicious. That's, that's the that's the it word plays, for what Javier Bardem does in that movie. You know, that's him in basically uh, every movie, though, right? Yeah. Even yeah. No Country, and that's oh, weird. Especially, yeah. He's 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 very gritty in Doom. I mean, he's he's well, like literally, he's covered in grit all the time on the screen. <laughs> but um. He's he, he's a little more rugged in that than I've seen him. Yeah. Um, so you know, Thunderball has a, I think one of its in a global sense one one of its the most important thing it really injected into the series was was taking it even beyond Goldfinger in in visual scope and scale. Now they don't travel all over the world as we mentioned. They pretty much stick to the Bahamas, but we've got a lot of beautiful. Sc- scale shots of of the environment and taking it and making it feel big and larger that than a lot of helicopter um, shots of nasa exactly like that that continues i mean the next film we go to japan and we we get a lot of big views of japan and las vegas and and it just goes so on and so forth all the way through the franchise so it really i feel like it starts here we we get a lot of good location work in uh from russia with love and dr no but it doesn't have that larger scale feeling uh, until this one. So I think, and then really, of course, just really cementing Connery's version of Bond even further as, you know, you know the, the, the sexist, the one-liners, the, you know, the, the, tip, the stereotypical Bond that we knew for so long yeah. really is just nailed in place here. Any other thoughts, guys? I mean, we've talked, we, I think we kind of pulled Thunderball apart quite a bit of what doesn't work. Is there anything else that jumps to mind that was impactful for you that you felt like was something they did right or something else maybe we didn't mention? Will I see oh. any of these characters in any follow up movies? Yeah, uh, okay. Well, yeah. Blofeld, um, yeah. Blofeld and then the, you know, MQ and Money Penny. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, and Lighter. There's basically no continuity in the series up to this point. Almost, almost none. Yeah, I always like to ask though, because what there's always there's always a little something other than the franchise characters, right? There's uh, who didn't really. someone show up? Didn't didn't one lady one of the ladies show up? And yeah, movies? from Sylvia Trench from Doctor No Trench. to from Rush with Love, but that's that's it's so minor. Earlier, there's not there's not a yeah. lot. One scene, like, I think. And not that I'm like looking for content. I don't care about continuity of James Bond films. I don't care. Like, uh, how I, dare you, as, sir? I like the idea of like each actor's continuity kind of being the same kind of thing, but mm-hmm. then also the previous actor kind of informs the next version of it. Like, right. we were getting into which, we were getting in cartoon care territory with Pierce Brosnan, right? Like, I mean, which, oh, yeah. which Lazenby explicitly some... mentions on screen. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. the actor continuity, yes. The yep. character says makes a comment about that. Oh, no um, kidding. <laughs> yep. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, no, th- there's a, there's pretty much, you know, you only live twice is uh, basically just a restart, you know, on the next, the next adventure, nothing tying to this one. And, and we, uh, we won't see Felix lighter again until I think live and let die um, no. in 73. No, wait, no, he's in uh, diamonds are forever in 71. 
you start a rough specter trilogy with you only live twice um where you actually see blofeld uh, you only live twice is donald pleasant right yes yeah um where you actually you you have it's blofeld explicitly for three movies in a row on screen um telly savalas yeah telly savalas we uh you know i'm I'm looking forward to covering a Donald Pleasance movie that isn't Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. that'd be nice. Yeah, I th- I think John, just to kind of touch back a little bit what you're talking about, I think the real legacy of this movie is less about what it adds to the story and to necessarily like the James Bond franchise, but more about the effects that it has on kind of the scope of spy movies in general and even pop culture later on with things like Austin Powers and stuff like that. Like you can cert if you watch this and then you, you know, you watch those movies, you can certainly see the the kind of the thumbprint that that this movie had on, on Oh yeah. I, I mean and and it, it it's because we we've talked about Thunderball is when Goldfinger is the match really. Thunderball is the explosion when this these movies become when the reach becomes incredibly global and it becomes a, a saturated pop culture phenomenon and you you see the spy movie genre which which until now was very um kind of like 40s film noirish kind of stuff mm-hmm. um you get to you start to see stuff like uh like Lynn Dayton the the if crest file um there's a whole wave of, of British spy movies that come after this that are that are very heavily influenced by it um to the point where it already circles around a parody with, with our man Flint in yes. like '68. I want to say, yep, maybe, with James Coburn, like, which is Coburn. Um, so yeah, the, the the impact of 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 this movie in particular is 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 hard to overstate, just be, mm-hmm. just because so many people saw it. It's, yeah. it's it's a wonder to me that the other movies that come after this don't follow this more closely. That is even already with you only live twice. It's much more akin to Goldfinger, where we with the globe trotting and the gadgetry and the villain, you know that kind of stuff. It, yep. Thunderball is a. I was reminded watching it. It's a weird outlier in the Connery movies. It is. is. It stylistically doesn't resemble really any of them. Hmm. But I I like your, you know what you mentioned about the, the, you know the match metaphor that that. The flame that this creates goes all the way through, all the way through the end of Timothy Dalton's run. It's really based off of yeah. the combo of Goldfinger and Thunderball. Well, and speaking yeah. of, of matches, I mean, Mission Impossible, the TV series, came out a year after this. Yeah. Uh, and, very much deri- not derived, but driven by yeah, inf- James influence. Bond yeah, the success of that is like, oh, we need a, an, an American of yeah, <laughs> version of James spies. Bond. Yeah. You take How do it, we do? You take you take it from one guy and you split it up into a team of people, each who do who have a specialty, and there's your recipe for success. Yeah, and so. I, I mean the first Mission Impossible movie is is basically an American James Bond movie. It's 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 oh, structurally sure. a James Bond movie. Um, we, we've talked about this before. Indiana Jones movies are James Bond movies uh-huh. structurally, like down to like some of the same beats in all of them. Um, and so you, you've you've got it ends up spawning its own like child franchises, just in terms of style, not even about character. Like the way Wait, are you we talking make about movies. James Bond Junior. Are you 
<laughs> well, that's that's whole. That's another show. I mean, it's that's, yeah. That's a classic. I mean, everyone's seen that. And and they keep trying to reboot the books every few years. They they still try. Um, the latest batch, I think, is our period books now. Mm -hmm. um, they're set. They're set in the sixties. I think. I haven't read one since the book that Jeffrey Deaver did about ten years ago. But uh, they hired. Uh, I think the guy who wrote Aragon does them now. Uh, what's mm -hmm. his name? Oh. Ian something. I forget. I haven't um, read any of the books outside the Fleming ones, and and I would recommend if you're if you're a Bond fan, you haven't read those books, give them a try. They're they're really interesting. There's so much. I, I love the level of detail that he gets into in dis, in describing, yeah. you know, basically what it's all Bond's point of view, really. That that you know everything that he's experiencing. So, um, and it's it's interesting to compare and contrast with the movies because some are wildly different. Like the book of Moonraker has nothing to do <laughs> with the movie of Moonraker. Zero. He actually <laughs> wants to rake the moon. Yeah. And <laughs> and they'll take characters, you know, from different books and put them in different movies and, and kind of mix and match scenes, as we mentioned. But it's um it's definitely worth it if you're a Bond fan. Yeah, they're fun, they're really fun reads. Um so yeah, so I think uh, I think that's it. I mean, David, what, what do you think? I, I'm always curious what, what what you think since you're newer to these movies. Of only the four that you've seen so far, how would you rank them? Honestly, I was like I'm largely bored by this movie. I mean, I think the length does play against it. So I have a little bias of just like, oh my god, like I can't keep watching this same shit over and over. Like a lot of the tropes and all that. Uh, I thought I really I I but I was pleased to see the, at least some innovation and uh, in, in some of the, uh, the stunt work and, and all of that. So, I mean, there was at least a treat to see an evolution of a filmmaking or, you know, presentation uh, versus the character. I'm kind of bored by Sean Connery as James Bond, as a character, <gasps> getting more and more bored with him. <laughs> he's just the same guy. Like he's just, just this womanizer, like, kind of weird he doesn't like, change he doesn't evolve yeah, I got, uh, yeah. dave i got some bad news for you about every movie until casino royale <laughs> i listen there's a maybe there's a reason it doesn't resonate with me i i don't think my opinion is uh is universal by any stretch and i don't think it's uh you know i don't know i'm clearly not the target i don't know but it it's it's fine it's fine i don't know i i'm probably this would probably it's probably uh if we're looking at the four you know i'd put it above from russia with love i guess maybe a little bit maybe no i put it above dr no fuck dr no i don't care i don't care <laughs> if it's the first one so would you <laughs> like, say would you say goldfinger from russia with love thunderball uh, dr no yeah that would be it that would be it yeah so i think I that's did, fair uh, yeah i guess right in terms of just having just having a good time at the movies is that's 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 all I'm after. So that's all uh, David wants. The good time still at the fine. movies. I, well, I just want to have a good time at the movies for six straight weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a this should have been a three part episode uh, yeah. covering it. I think this was John's suggestion of uh, like, yeah, we're gonna part one of covering Thunderball. <laughs> it's gonna be is. And we're gonna get right back into it. It's a it's a tough one, but it's there's yeah. lots there's lots to uh, I guess to enjoy, and the fact that it is very like this is all foundational shit. We keep talking about it, like right. this is this sets up, uh, you know the 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 genre, the competing media properties, the the 
just what we'll see over the next 30 years is heavily influenced by what we're watching on the still uh, these movies from the 60s so it's pretty cool yeah i think if you're if you're looking for if you're nostalgic for classic bond if you love the connery bond even acknowledging all the like negative stuff the the sexism and the race the casual racism and those kind of things that are a product of its time um you know then this is this is an uh, probably one you'll enjoy uh modern audiences i think are going to struggle with it that that it's hard to look past that stuff on top of things that we already mentioned the length and the pacing of it are are hard so it's harder to get from those like the things that do work in the movie get from one to the other and stay with it but um yeah so yeah but uh that's that's what i think that's that's what i think who's going to be going after uh this movie is really just if you're nostalgic for connery for the most part yeah like could you see no... ever watching this movie for fun no i would <laughs> skip it and watch never say well, never again I, I, like in probably like in college i kind of just put it in that category but then every time i've watched it i'm like ah there are more fun bond movies than that one yeah for, for me like the thing if you're feeling nostalgic for Sean Connery Bond, I think you're watching. I think that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah, the one. That's, yeah. that's the um, one. Un sure. Unless you're like nostalgic for like late period kind of can't be Sean Connery, in which case you're watching Diamonds Are Forever. And yeah, I, 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 I can't imagine being bored enough that this movie lifts me out of my boredom. And doesn't right. like deepen it, throw yeah, you farther yeah. into the hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like there's really no reason to go back to this one. The things that it does really well, it does really well in so many of the other movies later on. Yeah, that it's like, why? What's the what's the point of? Mm -hmm. Unless you really want to know, just if you're studying the history of Bond, it makes sense. But beyond that, yeah. yeah. What's the thing that the does the MLB and the NFL do? Like you know, it's the replay, and they just cut out all the garbage. Oh, like from, the, and, the highlights, like the, the highlight, and then you just the, see yeah, every pitch, every reel. play. Yeah. Like, all right, do maybe just get those guys recut this thing. Let's let's <laughs> let's just get to the nitty gritty. How long will this movie actually do this, be? The super trailer, just uh, yeah, the sure. super cut. It's it's, it's short. <laughs> it is. Well, you know, the next one, if if you're. If you want to see racist James Bond, hey buckle oh, up for her. Oh, you only live twice because oh, there's a oh ton of it does, coming up next. The, the racism oh, no. is not casual. Does no. he play an? Does he go undercover as an Oriental? <laughs> like, yes. is this like the kind of shit we're yes. gonna see? No, li liter literally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he is transformed I just, into into. Yeah. I, I lit and I use that, oh, that word specifically to think like, that's probably what they said. Like, oh, yeah, that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. Uh, John, we we would absolutely love to have you come back when we're ready to uh, partake in a little. You only live twice. Uh, absolutely, can't wait. <laughs> Great. Um, you know, James James Bond. I, I kind of look at him as a as an international detective in a lot of ways. So, I think everyone should stay tuned because on our next episode, we're going to be looking at a at a certain pet detective. So. <laughs> Make sure you make sure you stay tuned uh, for our next episode. But uh, John, thank you so much for coming on. No, thank it's you. always a pleasure to have our, our resident Bond expert. Love love talking to you guys. Wish we had gone less than a year, but 
always enjoy hanging out with you guys. We'll we'll make up for it this year. We'll get two in this year. So. Well, we got to get another one going on the books. Three, <laughs> by the end four. Of the, by, the, by the end of the, by the end of the year, we're at Golden Eye. Oh, we're, we're, Golden. <laughs> we're actually just gonna press record right after we finish this one. We're just yeah, gonna we're gonna have a marathon recording. Double we're header. Go through all the all the rest of the Connery movies. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, check uh, check out our archives for our other Bond episodes. We're at reconcinemation.com uh, and all the rest of our back catalog. Check us out on social media. We're at Reconcinemation Podcast. Uh, and anywhere you listen to podcasts, give us a rating and a review. It always helps the show out. Uh, we much appreciated that. And thank you to our friends, E.K. Wimmer for the theme music, Curtis Moore for the poster. And we will see you next time on Reconcinemation. Take care. Cowabunga. So he strikes like David Munchak will return. <laughs> Mace Ventura, pet detective. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.